On today's night's podcast, we will discuss how a sense of wonder can usurp a lesson plan at any time and at any age. One day in my physics class, when we were in the midst of learning about electricity, we uh, introduced, or I introduced, I should say, a, a bit of a question, and it was on purpose. I wanted my students to really be thinking about electricity and, and the bigger picture of it. And, and the question was, well, you know, if all forces are electrical interactions, well, perhaps that just blew somebody's mind, but if all forces are electrical interactions, then, then do objects ever touch? And, and that was it. The class was then taken over by probably the deepest, most intense discussion I had had in a very long time in an academic setting. The kids were excited. They wanted to think about this hypothesis and that hypothesis, and, and we got deeper and deeper, and it was just a fabulous experience. Those are the types of days that I love in my classroom. And I remember that day because they came into my classroom later, just minds blown. What is even going on? <laughs> What's happened to the world? Everything I know. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Electricity does that for us too, because in fourth grade, we study simple machines and then we connect that to energy and electricity. And a student actually interrupted my class today because um, in the midst of writing his final essay, he realized he was using his whiteout and it had a simple machine in the cap. And that was worth interrupting to <laughs> point out to everyone else. Again, we'd like to welcome you back to our podcast here at Cary Christian School. And my name is Robbie Hinton, and I am joined by three of our teachers. I have here with me Kelly Gardner, who is our lower school lead teacher and teaches fourth grade for us. We also have Patrick Hallbrooks, who teaches uh, junior history and senior rhetoric, and Darla McDonald, who teaches uh, senior physics and serves as our lead teacher in our upper school. And today what we're, we're going to discuss uh, a question of what goes on in our classroom and how our classrooms function. And our goal here is to give parents a greater insight into what we're doing. The goal is to strengthen our parent partnership. Because at Cary Christian School, we don't want you to think about the idea that you've just signed a contract and dropped your child off at school. We want you to know what's going on. We want you to think of this as us partnering with you as teachers. And so hopefully through this podcast, you'll learn more about what's going on in the classroom and be able to appreciate it more and be able to give us more insights on the ways that we can know your children. All right, so to get this started, I want uh, y'all to ponder a question with me or ponder a statement. And this is a statement one of our, uh, we heard one of our teachers say, and so um, help us understand it. All right, here it is. Wonder has the right to usurp any lesson plan. Wonder has the right to usurp any lesson plan. What in the world does that mean? Well, first of all, I would say absolutely it has the right to usurp. That's a hard word to say. Um, any lesson plan. Uh, what I think it means is that when you're in the in the classroom and you're teaching and those moments come up where all of a sudden the students are engaged and they're asking questions. And, and even with high school seniors, sometimes their faces will light up like they're five years old again. Those are the moments that I want to cultivate. And I'm not going to let that moment go. I'm going to continue to walk down that road and that path of questioning uh, and, and make sure that we we really dive in deep because that day is a day that those students will not forget and they've really learned something. So yes, wonder can, can take my lesson plan any day of the week. 
Yeah, I think it's important as teachers, part of our job is to turn in lesson plans and to have a goal of what we want to accomplish. But if our goal is to read chapter five and along the way, a discussion comes up that is totally relevant and um, the students are engaged and they're you know, getting into the story and they know what we're reading, um, finishing the chapter is not the main idea. The main idea there is engaging their thinking and um, you know, just uniting them in the topic at hand, whether or not the goal of finishing the chapter is ever met, which is a good goal. But I think the conversation is a worthwhile detour. You know, I can remember when I was a fifth grade teacher, we had this, uh, and I'm going to tell a story of where I broke this rule, or I had to, I realized I was getting in trouble. I had this, uh, one of the things I was proud of is we could get the students to name all the countries in the world. So the final exam for fifth grade students is we put maps up on the wall and orally the students would come by and they could say the names of every student. So, you know, we'd spend about 10 minutes in class every day practicing this. We had games around this and drills and we we would work in different ways for them to learn the names of these countries and learn how to identify them. So they, and then again at the final, they were to identify the states and then we'd go around the world and identify each country. And I remember in this class, one little girl that um, she was messing up my plan. Because while every, all the other students were getting this, slowly but surely, the games became more frustrating to her. They became um, something that was wearing her out. And at some point, I had to look at her and say, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter that the others are mastering this. We're going to stop. And you just, hey, just do the best you can. And I think that's one of the things as teachers we have to remember is, is if we're not careful, we put lights out uh, rather than flaming, stirring them up into a bigger and bigger flames. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I love that Kelly mentioned relevant. I mean, I don't want parents thinking that we're going down rabbit trails every single day and, oh, who cares about lesson plans? That's really not with that statement about wonder usurping. I'm going to get that word right. Um, lesson plans. <laughs> I just want them to realize that at the end of the day in my classroom, if I can have a kid who has more questions and wants to dive in and discover the answer to those questions, then I feel like I've had a very, very good day as a teacher because really that's what we're after. We're trying to teach them to learn, right? And that's a lifelong skill. And if I just say, okay, well, that's enough of that. And we're going to go now to this next part of the lesson plan. Well, what have I taught them? I've taught them that schedules are most important Mm. and not that actually discovery and learning is most important about what we're doing. And I would add, now let's back up just for a second, because at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is a different way to plan and a different way to structure our class. And so if we can dive in a little bit deeper to to realize there's actually something bigger going on here than just us coming up with an idea and then the student changes it uh, because either, either we realize their excitement is going in one direction or it's not. Uh, It's actually the way we want to teach. And to to get this across, I'd like to get us to contrast three different approaches to teaching. Um, One is a student-centered approach. The other is a teacher-directed approach. And the third is the one I hope we're mastering here at Cary Christian School, and it's the approach of using, seeing the class as a conversation. All right, so let's first, let's think about this. If I said the word, you're going to, if I said the phrase, you're going to teach from a student-centered approach, what would that mean to you? 
I think student centered, most people would say, you know, every, every student is their own unique being, you know, they're all like their own little snowflake and um, whatever <laughs> they're interested in gets to drive the instruction. Maybe they're, maybe they just want to play all day. And that's what, what, you know, drives their, their interest. But um, there is some sense where that is a good thing. And we want the students to be interested and to direct um, where the conversation goes. But um, I think it's also important to balance it with, uh, part, you know, the lesson plan and uh, the goal at hand and, and sticking to the topic. So um, somewhat student centered, but not as that being our main motivation. Yeah. Well, what do you think, uh, Patrick, what do you think it means if you're teaching uh, history from a student centered approach? I think a student centered approach to history would focus too much on what they might already feel like they're interested in. <laughs> A lot of students will come in and, you know, oh, yeah, I like to watch a lot of World War II history documentaries or something like that. And that's great. Uh, or maybe they got a particular period they're interested in. Um, but I want to push them and prod them to widen their interests. I hmm. want them to learn to not just be interested in World War II, but also in Renaissance art. Hmm. And that may or may not be something that sticks with them. But uh, for me as a teacher, if I am uh, creating a, a classroom that's an environment for, for exploration, um, my job is to help them to at least learn to value or see the value in a lot of different things. And I think we'd be doing a disservice if uh, we allow them to to narrow their interests and what they're learning. Yeah, they may not even know they're interested in it if that's it's right. something that hasn't been presented or if they're mm -hmm. able to just pick and choose what they would like to steer towards. They may miss areas altogether that they didn't know mm -hmm. uh, were uniquely interesting. Right. Hmm. I know yeah. that was true of me as a student. Yes. I was just going to say, if we were just to let them pick what they would want to study, uh, I mean, let's be honest, when we were 13, 14, 15, or maybe, uh, you know, nine, 10 you know, years old, we don't know the vastness of the world in which we live and all the different uh, things we can study and aspects of it, particularly when it comes to history and art. Uh, I mean, that's just, we just don't, right? We need somebody mm -hmm. older and wiser to show that to us, to show the beauty in that and why we would want to ever study it and, and know more about it. Yeah, but I think it's important to mention the flip side too, is that you don't want it to be completely teacher directed just because I have my plan and my lesson. It's, it's not about me and my agenda. And, you know, I have the knowledge and the facts and I'm going to download them to you. And now you get to tell them back to me because, um, you know, that would suck the life out of us. That's boring. Um, you know, I may have some good information to share, but it's important for you as a student to be able to connect with that and to, to, to test it and to prove it and understand it and evaluate it, you know, to be able to apply what you're learning and not just listen to me talk and now tell me back what I said. Yeah. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's the same for any of us. If we're going to learn something, we learn best, not when we're just talked to about it, but when we engage in a relationship or a conversation or, okay, I'm going to show you how to do this. Great. Now you try it. Oh, let me help you with that again. Right? It's this give and take. It's a back and forth. Hmm. That's how any of us learn uh, properly and successfully. Yeah, so we it have, needs to be um, the same in the classroom. In the grammar stage, we have something called like a teacher toolbox. So it's not um, lecture is almost never the appropriate method of uh, transferring information. But we do a lot of chants and jingles and sound offs and up and down and movements and motions and projects and collections and all these different ways to connect with what you're learning so that there's a healthy balance between students interest and teacher direction. That's exactly right. You know, I think about when, that, when you talk about the student interest, I remember when my girls were little, uh, they loved macaroni and cheese. And so my, my wife, 
um, noticing their interest in macaroni and cheese, wanted to serve them real macaroni and cheese. And, and it happened, she wanted to serve them her grandmother's macaroni and cheese. Her grandmother had just passed away. And um, so she wanted to treat her daughters to a real macaroni and cheese taught to, that was from the recipe of Anne Mara, my wife's Italian grandmother. So she made them this macaroni and cheese, and we told the little our girls, we're going to have macaroni and cheese. It's really special. We put it in front of them, and they went, this isn't macaroni and cheese at all. <laughs> and, and they were only interested in they something. They wanted the blue box. That, yeah, they wanted the blue <laughs> box. They wanted craft macaroni and cheese, and That's they right. didn't really even know the real thing. Yep. They were so interested. Their interest only went as far as the artificial, yep. something that had no substance to it. And so, yes, I mean, so on some level – we want to pay attention to their interest, uh, but at another, we're trying to push their interest and to broaden their horizons and develop their taste uh, in different directions. Now, Darla, you kind of you started down a path on something there. I wanted us to when you were describing the, what happens, the give and take of the mm-hmm. classroom. Sure. And, you know, when you think about a class, there's this um, there's this moment that occurs that when I think of teaching, this is the moment I love. Mm-hmm. So you stand up in front of the class. And you, you explain something. You tell them some knowledge. Mm-hmm. And then you come up with maybe a great story. Or if you're in science, you give them a science experiment. So you demonstrate it to them. And then there's a moment where you say, you you somehow you figure out what they've learned. Yeah. And you realize <laughs> they don't have it. Yeah. And then you notice that. And I think this is the moment I love in teaching. And I love seeing, if I see a good teacher, they have this ability. They can mm-hmm. see it. They can see that a student hasn't mastered the skill and then they can step back, grab a strategy mm-hmm. and push it forward. I think as yes. teachers, we love that moment too, because that's yeah. the point where we say, oh, okay, let's present it in another way. Let's try a different approach or, oh, they got a little bit. Let's keep going. You know, let's have another conversation about it. Let's dig in deeper. Oh, that's yeah. the fun part. Oh, absolutely. I have to tell you, that is probably one of my most fun, uh, you know, at, or one of the most fun aspects as being a teacher is that diagnosis. It's actually a diagnosis <laughs> moment, right? I, I'm, I'm scanning my audience at all times. I'm, I'm looking and I'm, I'm getting that nonverbal plus verbal fe- uh, feedback from them, excuse me. And, and then I get that moment of, okay, they're not with me. That person doesn't understand. All right. Let's re- let's regroup, right? I'm doing all of this actively in my mind. The students don't even know it's all occurring. And yet it's so much fun because then I get to construct, all right, what's the next thing I'm going to do in order to get them to understand? And as a lot of students can probably attest to if they've had me, that might involve me actually doing a dramatization of something, <laughs> um, acting out, standing on chairs, using props. But then all of a sudden, what? You have a room full of students who are so engaged and excited. And for those who struggle with just a verb or just a, hmm. a, a, a visual, uh, they're all of a sudden like, oh, I get it. Uh, those are those are incredible moments in the classroom. And again, usually unforgettable for students. They'll and, remember that. And that I think that's one of the things that as you become a more experienced teacher and as you uh, just learn the craft of teaching better, uh, you know, the, your, your first year teaching, you walk out of the room going, did I know it? Yeah. Right? <laughs> did I explain it the right way or not? And if 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 I didn't mess up, then yes, I, I got it right. But then at one po- some point you realize, wait a minute, mm. it doesn't matter what I know. It matters what the students know. Mm. Exactly um, right. Have I, uh, one, gotten it across to them? Mm-hmm. And have I gotten them excited about it too? And you know that moment when another student reaches over to try to explain it to their neighbor who maybe mm. doesn't understand? That's really fun too, to see that they've got it and they want to help their neighbor mm. along. You yeah. can just step back and let them teach. Right, let other. them become the teacher. 
Absolutely. And that's really something we're after in the classroom with this conversational style is, all right, I'll, I'll go ahead and explain it. The kids are involved in some kind of other activity or engagement to see how they can put the, together the knowledge. Do they understand what I'm trying to communicate? And then it's awesome because I can say, hey, you know, Kelly, if you were my student, Kelly, stand up and can you remind the class? Can you explain to us one more time what is going on here? What, what is this model showing us? What does this equation say? I mean, and, 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 you know, explain that to us again. I and mean, that's powerful. And then it becomes not just a conversation between one teacher and one student, but it's a, it's a whole community within the classroom, and everybody is is participating in that larger conversation. And those are the moments. And actually, um, I'm sure you guys do something similar. But in my classroom, the kids know it's it needs to be a familial environment hmm. where we're all invested together and we're all listening to each other and we're showing deference and we're like, hey, that's right. Oh, great job. And and yeah, okay, I get that. Or can we explain that again? And it's not just me and one student or me and this group. It's we're all together. Yeah, and we're having that conversation. Especially because if students don't feel that comfortable sense of, um, you know, this is a conversation, then they may feel like if they stand up to answer a question and they're wrong, that they might be embarrassed or frustrated or um, like a failure. But instead, they know this is a safe place. And um, that was a good try. Let, let's, you know, help each other along and, and try another way. Um, it's okay to make a mistake in front of your classmates and your teacher when you have that sense of community. And. If we're good teachers, and I think we're also communicating how little we know in the scheme of things. <laughs> That's right. And uh, for me, one of the one of the important things is that students are able to answer my questions, right? But I think the uh, the sign of a really good lesson is not the questions I'm asking them, but what questions are they asking me? Yes, mm -hmm. I absolutely agree. And <laughs> it's great when they come in from the hallways or from the previous day's lesson with questions. You know, mm -hmm. we talked about this yesterday. Well, I was wondering, you know, and then they take it to the next step or the mm -hmm. next level. I've even had students send me a picture of something, you know, they, you know, we talked about it in math class and then they were driving around. Oh, that's what we talked about yesterday. Let's send Mrs. Gardner a picture. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, when they make the connections outside of the classroom mm -hmm. to show that they're really connecting with it and it sticks with them. Well, last summer, we were driving through Virginia, and my son John Luke had been in your class and studied the Civil War and did a diorama of the Battle of Manassas. And we were driving right by Manassas <laughs> Battlefield, so we pull over, and he was so excited to get a picture there. And if it hadn't been for him having studied that and learned all about that in your class, he probably would have thought, eh, we'll just drive by. <laughs> yes, I was, love to hear stories. He was class. happy to stop. If you think about this, when we're, we're looking at, okay, so here's our technique. We're using the technique of a conversation. Which doesn't feel like a technique because as y'all use this language, it's something familial, it's something personal, it's something, Patrick, as you said, something humble uh, that re or it requires humility to enter into this. Um, but it is a technique at the end of the day, but it's a technique with a great end. Uh, it builds the teacher-student relationship. And I think it does something because it forces us to see, again, I'm going to give you an expression and then y'all unpack it for us. It forces us in this relationship to see how each student uniquely reveals God's glory. And it's a teaching technique or a method that dives into this relationship between the, teach between the teacher and the student and pulls out the unique way that a, a student reveals God's glory that is in them. What's that mean? Well, I know for my students, what it means is they are sub-creators. In essence, you know, God is the creator. He created the the universe, the heavens, all of us, everything. And really, as humans, we, we are sub-creators. And so what I get to do in my classrooms, I get to watch students 
do that. Uh, from building objects and designing experiments to writing equations, they're, they're actually engaging in, uh, in the gift and the call that God has put on each one of us to be sub-creators underneath him. And that's powerful. I mean, that shows the glory of God and it, and it actually gives glory back to God at the same time um, through watching that. And that's incredible. What would you say, Patrick? One of the ways that each student's uniquely revealing God's glory is simply through, kind of like Darla said, developing the talents and skills that God's given them. And I love the idea of a liberal arts education where we are helping students to become well-rounded. Uh, there's so many opportunities here at CCS for students to be involved in all kinds of academic things, as well as being out on the football field, up on the stage in the auditorium. And we want to give them all those opportunities while simultaneously recognizing no one has to be good at everything, but by giving them opportunities to develop God's gift, uh, just like Paul talks about in the New Testament, that the church is a body that we're meant to work together. And I, I love history. I teach history. I wouldn't do quite so well in science, <laughs> but Darla's here to teach science for me, so I don't have to do that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, although I'd love to take her class. I think <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. But uh, each of us contributes in a unique way, and it's up to us to both discover for ourselves and help our students and help each other discover uh, those ways that God has made them uniquely to, uh, to radiate his glory. And I would say um, that... It reveals God's glory when students are responding to what they're studying um, and reflecting on it with an awe and wonder of who he is. And um, just as they understand more about his creation, it's it's really an act of worship. Um, the more we learn and gain knowledge as it points us back to him. Well, thank you all so much. And, and for being you know, stepping into this room and sharing your hearts with our parents. Uh, it's a vulnerable act for you to be willing to speak to them. And I want to thank you for our parents or anyone who's listened to this, that uh, we really appreciate it. And we hope this grows the partnership that we have with parents here at Cary Christian School. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear uh, any questions you might uh, have after listening to this podcast. Again, thank you.